Welcome back to Tech Talk with Kelsey. We're here to learn about the many positions in the radiology field. Be sure to subscribe so you know when the next episode is available. All right, let's dive in. Well, because I think it's just so important to have like a grateful heart. So if this was like painful for you, hopefully you can at least walk away like, oh, well, at least I'm grateful for this. So what is one thing you are grateful for? Um, okay, I will say I'm grateful for having the opportunity to. So today I have Kyle Huber with me. You may recognize his last name. He is the brother of our CEO, but I'm sure that gets annoying to hear from time to time. Like, oh, you're Neil's little brother. Little, yeah. right? <laughs> um, I have an inch on him, if you can call it that. I'm okay. a little younger, <laughs> but uh, I got an inch and probably about 15 pounds on him. So I love it. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, we are not here to compare you and Neil. Obviously, we want to hear about how you got into the imaging space and kind of what you do now. So I will just let you introduce yourself real quick because I always think people can do that better than yeah. I can. So take it away. Sure. So yeah, my brother actually did get me into, I guess, the radiology space because I, when I was in college, he was just getting out and starting his career. And I didn't know specifically what I wanted to go to school for. I was just entering college you're like, I have to pick a major. Mm -hmm. I thought finance was a good idea. Meanwhile, I can't do math to save my life. So I learned pretty quickly that that was a pretty terrible idea. Uh, and then I was like, all right, let me try radiology and give it a try. So I went to x-ray school like my sophomore year of college and then finished out my junior year and then started working um, like per diem and then started and then finished up my degree. Uh, so I first started out at a... Uh, like a outpatient medical like imaging center. Okay. And I did x-ray, like straight regular x-ray for what I was going to school for. Uh, and then that's where I sort of learned CT a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I did like CT chests and all that, uh, uh, angiograms and things like that. So I was only there per diem for about a year because I was still finishing up school. Uh, and then I went full time and worked at New York Presbyterian uh, in New York City. Uh, and that's where I started doing a little bit more than just x-ray. I worked in uh, like special procedures. So I did specifically like urology special procedures. So it was like a lot of like voiding cystiurethograms, things like that, yeah. which when I started, I was like, hmm, this is not what I kind of went to school for. <laughs> but uh, all right, I guess it's the same thing. I mean, we're doing x-rays or it's just, it's just something that you never really were exposed to in school. I thought it was a little odd. Yeah. Um, my whole career has probably been pretty odd. I've always been doing the thing that no one thought they'd be doing. Uh, that's sort of just been my, I don't know, niche. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> I guess you can call it. Yeah. So while I was in school, well, while I was working at New York Presbyterian, I went back to school to do a master's in public health um, because I knew... I, I loved the field of radiology, the patient care part of it and things like that. It just wasn't for me. I, I'm just being honest. I, I, I kind of grew out of it. More of like an analytical thinker. I thought there was more that I can offer to healthcare than sure. just, you know, doing x-rays and things like that. Yeah. Um, but everybody's different. Mm -hmm. So at one point in my career, I thought I was going to go work at the CDC because when I was going to school for healthcare, uh, public health, I was like, oh, that's going to be a good idea. 
probably great that I don't work at the CDC right now. Um, <laughs> that's a blessing so, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's pretty interesting. Um, and then while I was in uh, grad school, I kind of got introduced to the whole like epic IS world. And that's kind of where my career sort of took off for the most part. Okay. Um, I like to think of the epic IT world as like a speakeasy. Uh, it's very hard to get into, and you only get in if you kind of know somebody or know the password. It's kind of odd. That <laughs> but, is such a good analogy. I never yeah, thought about that, but it because totally I get asked about it a lot. They're like, "Oh, how'd you how'd you kind of learn that?" It's very something that people don't know about because Epic okay. doesn't market themselves. You only know about it if you work in healthcare for the most part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the only way like you can get like Epic certified is if you physically work at Epic which right. means you got to move to Wisconsin and then learn from them. Or you have to be sponsored by a hospital. And then it's a hospital that's signed a contract with Epic and is going to go live with all of their healthcare systems on it. So you work as a hospital employee full-time and then they send you out to Epic. Yep, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, when you say sponsored, you mean work full-time for the hospital? Yes, yes, exactly. And that's kind of where it gets hard to find that because they don't advertise it. You kind of just like walk into it. Right, or it's, yeah. you see the jobs, but they want someone that already has a little bit of epic experience. Exactly, at least nowadays that's starting to become the norm. When I first started, no one really was epic certified. They were kind of just looking for folks like myself that had a clinical background. Mm -hmm. They were kind of looking for people who were young because we were just grown up with technology. So they thought, hey, you could probably be good at this job. Definitely. Um, you don't ever, I never, like, I didn't know what it was. Um, you just figure it out as you go along. It's also a job that you don't ever get taught how to do. You just do it and you figure it out. And it's just, there's no formal training. I mean, you go out to Epic and you get trained and you sit in a classroom for a week, but it's probably about like 5% of the knowledge base that you need. So oh, sure. kind of just over the years, you pick up things here and there. Yeah, it's like the Epic 101 when you're training, I'm sure. Yeah, it's similar to like end user training that a tech or like an administrator would get when they're going live at a hospital. Pretty much exact same. It's really yeah. not rocket science. It's uh, kind of got to be working and start like seeing what's behind the system. Um, but yeah, so I did that. I've been doing this for about six years. Okay. Uh, I started off at New York Health and Hospital where I first got my, I got a radiology certification, cardiology certification, and then I left and went to Montefiore Medical Center and did their implementation for four years. Okay. And then after that, I went into like independent contracting. So it's like where I kind of worked for myself. Mm -hmm. um, I did like a project out in Texas. So I was commuting back and forth to Texas. So uh, COVID happened. Mm -hmm. And I was just working remotely for the last year. And then now I'm at NYU working full-time, working on their cardiology uh, team. I've, I've been doing cardiology, that's another thing. I've been doing cardiology for about five years. Okay. So yes, I still keep a hand, my radiology license for Epic and for like New York State. So I can technically do x-rays if I wanted to. Perfect. Um, but imaging is the same in all the other departments. It, it doesn't really change. It's just the yeah. type of imaging. So yep. I work really closely with the radiology team. So yeah, just something right. that I've kind of grown into. Yeah, no, that's great. So just like in the clinical space, just so people that aren't familiar with like the ITIS, 
Um, same thing, right? We kind of specialize on our end. So my specialty, I'm a radiation therapist by background. I'm still in the oncology space, just yes, now more on the back end where people, you know that obviously someone's having to like create these programs and figure all of this mm -hmm. stuff out technology-wise and your workflows and all of that. But then the people on the end user side in the clinics, obviously you don't think about it because you're in your mode. So yeah, yeah very neat. Okay. Um, so I do have a quick question just because you brought it up going from full-time to contract because I'm also contract now. Uh -huh. You like that switch? Cause it sounds like you've been doing it for how long? So, so I was a contractor for about a year. Okay. Um, the reason why I got into it was it was something I always wanted to try. Yeah. Um, I was working full-time at another hospital. It, it, there wasn't much movement. It was kind of just, I was going to be there and then that was it. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to sort of just try something new. Wanted to, I was doing the same work all the time. That was another thing. I wanted to work on other projects. Mm -hmm. I wanted to expand my scope and networking. Networking was huge. Honestly, like being a consultant, I got to meet so many other like consultants that I worked with Yeah. all from throughout the country. Yep. So I have a network, like I have people that I know in, Pennsylvania, have people that I know in Texas, have people that I know in Arizona. It's so like, I know people that just aren't in New York where I live. Mm -hmm. So that kind of helps myself maybe in the long run. Absolutely. Um, obviously. So from a, I guess, like a financial perspective, you make a little bit more um, because you're charging per hour. Right. But the issue with that is you don't have any benefits. So yeah. there's pros and cons to everything. So when you go into independent contracting, you have no benefits. So you have no health care. You have no retirement. You have zero job security. Exactly. You're basically just like the way I think of it is you're a pawn. They bring you in. They want you to do the project and then they'll take you and you're done. And you're on to your next project. Absolutely. So that was a scary thing for me because my wife and I were having a child. Um, and I needed a little bit more job security um, because after COVID hit, the whole market just tanked. It was just like consultants are getting let go left and right. Um, the whole market was just flooded with like people looking for work, taking less money to do work. I was lucky enough to stay on for the whole year. They, they liked me, so I stayed. It, it really worked out. I was very, very lucky. And then as I um, finished my project, I started off at uh, NYU where I am now like a week later, so. Okay. I got very lucky. Um, but it wasn't like that for everybody. Yeah, no, that's, that is amazing. But part of that again is because you, one, you have the experience, you have like stuck with cardiology for a while. So you're like an expert in Epic cardiology. And yeah, yeah so you, that's the one thing I do think you have to, I don't want to say, cause I've worked with a lot of obviously amazing therapists and technologists, but you don't just go to work to like get your paycheck, right? Like you have to kind of pave yeah. your way in this space. Like you have to really prove yourself. At least I feel like that's how I was trained. And like, if you want to be a contractor, like you are betting on yourself every single day. Yeah, You have exactly. to go up and you have to excel. So yeah, you better be good because if you're not, you're not going to be employed that long. And that was very evident when it came down to cutting people. Yes. It was literally like, and it wasn't because for the most part, it was mostly financial. Yeah. But at the same time, 
it was basically like a ranking system. Like, okay, who can we lose and who can we not lose? Right. And they're going to look at your body of work, how good you are at what you do, how fast you can do things. Yep. That's another thing because time is money with them. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that was, it was interesting. It was a great learning curve. I might do it again in the future. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, I could at least say that I did and I tried it. Uh, it was a big leap of faith mm-hmm. at that point. Um, but yeah. Good for you. I think anyone that gets into this space should try contracting as well. Yeah. It depends on your lifestyle. I will say that. So if you're, true. if you're single, no kids, go for it. All the way. <laughs> yeah. Make as much money, do it. I, I, sometimes I wish I did it earlier, but I wouldn't have had the experience prior to mm-hmm. be like confident enough to do a job every day and things like that. Uh, but yeah, if you have a family and thing and uh, a significant other, it's definitely a little bit more challenging because um, travel is a huge part of it. It always was. Most times you were on site every week. So you're literally living out of an airport. So there were times where I was flying out Sunday night and not coming home till Thursday. Um, but COVID kind of that. changed that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I only did every other week, but even that was, yeah, every week yeah. that would be hard. With kids, yeah, no way. I couldn't. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I'm probably not going to do contracting for a while, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you I, tried. Had, I guess just to get personal you had the baby you guys yeah so we had a, our son in may so i was okay. in the middle of my contract um my initial contract was 50 50 remote so like i was only traveling two times a month okay. and then in march it was full-blown remote work so i literally got very lucky yeah you <laughs> well congrats on the little one that's fun thanks yeah it's <laughs> a bundle of joy it's fun yeah um, okay, so you kind of mentioned that you didn't know what you wanted to do after high school when you were in college, so that's fair, and I was similar, so, and I'm sure a ton of technologists can relate. It's a pretty steady field to get into, and it, you don't have to be in school for years on end, so I can definitely relate. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, so I just am curious, both when you were in the clinic, I know you said like maybe patient care wasn't really for you after a couple of years, but what did you like the most? And then what do you like the most about what you do now? Um, okay. I would say I liked what I liked most was the people. Yeah. Uh, like working in the hospital with some of the other techs and colleagues. Uh, you kind of just grew like that family slash brotherhood, sisterhood kind of uh, feeling, you know, I still keep in touch with so many people that I used to work with. Uh, as a tech, I've worked, let me see, worked in like two different hospitals per diem. I worked in two full time. So I kind of like a pretty good network of techs that I worked with. Um, right. Some of them work together that I went to school with now. Um, but yeah, I would say the people that I worked with was the most enjoyable because it takes a certain type of person to be a tech. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> certain type of personality. Um, what I would say, is probably my favorite part of the job that I do now is I and I've only figured this out fairly in the last few years is because when I first started I thought I wasn't really making a difference at all like when you're a tech you mm. feel like yeah you're helping somebody you're taking their image you're yep they're they're getting a result that they need mm-hmm. when I started out in epic and IT I just felt like this computer guy behind the screen that just wasn't like I was just a guy doing computer work and I wasn't helping anybody. 
And that wasn't what I kind of like wanted to do my whole life. And I kind of was always somebody who wanted to help people. That's why I went to school for those uh, types of degrees and things like that. But then I kind of noticed that the work I am doing is helping people. Um, and especially now, because with COVID and all that, like we did a lot of work fast. Yeah. And the whole changing to technology, like doing this and having setting, having that set up already and adapted in Epic was a major win. It wasn't to the standard that it should have been because it wasn't used all the time or adapted. And it just took like something like this, unfortunately, for people to adapt to using technology. Sure. But now it's like sky's the limit. So yeah. now I feel like I'm making a difference. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. yeah. I know what you mean. It's because it's like you don't see the immediate or like the direct interaction. Yeah. When, yeah, it is true. You might be helping instead of the patient. It's like you're helping the clinicians who are then helping the patient, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyone in our shoes, 1000%, you make such a big difference in healthcare. Um, what about the least? We got to ask it. We can't just talk about happy things. Sure. Yeah, no, there's pros and cons to every job. I mean, there's days where I hate my job. I would say being on call. So on call is something that we do have and it depends on where you are. Like I've, I've been in hospitals where on-call was a mess. Literally like you're on call on the weekend and you're getting tickets left and right and you're not getting paid for it. You get paid like a higher salary, but you're not getting what you should because yeah. you're on call. Like it's, it's the time thing. Like men, you, you might not be doing any work, but you mentally feel like you're at work. Of course, yeah. It's like, yeah. not that you have anxiety. I'm not gonna put words in your mouth, but it is. It's like, yeah. you can't just let loose for the weekend or anything. Like you're constantly like, is my phone gonna buzz? Like, oh, right. I, I can't even go run errands. I need my laptop with me. Yeah. yeah, it's the fear of the unknown. And I'm like, if I gotta like walk around my laptop, it's just like, I'm just gonna sit home. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say being on call. But I will say that that was one of the pros of being a contractor is you were never on call. So that was one of the reasons why I got into it too. That's, yeah, no, that is smart. I like yeah. that. Okay, what would you say, you can just answer this about what you do today, but what would you say is the biggest misconception? Like when people tell you, oh, I'm an Epic consultant or analyst or whatever your official job title is, what would you say people immediately think of that? Um, at least from like a hospital, like, like somebody who works in a hospital perspective, like the view we get is they always seem like we're trying to like give them more work, <laughs> which, which I guess, I guess you could say we are giving you more work because especially for like nurses or techs like that, like going into the system and documenting things, yes, is more work. Right. But it's not like something that we just decide, oh, let's do this. Like this yeah. is coming from some higher power that is telling us this is what we need to do, which tends to be like, the chief or um, the head of the department saying we need to like figure out a way to document this and standardize it all across. Now, when you work in a hospital that has six different campuses, one place does things one way, one place does things another way, one place does different services, adapting and getting everyone um, together to make a decision that's where I feel like some days I deserve a Nobel Prize, but <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, 
I would say the misconception is us trying to give people more work, which is not true. We're just being told what to do. Yeah. I think my husband thinks that I sit at home because I'm 100% remote right, right now too. And he's like, what do you do all day? Like you just sit at your computer, you just answer emails. I'm like, we do so much work, like, don't you? Yeah. Just because I'm stationary and not running around a hospital doesn't mean that we don't do anything. So sometimes I think right. people think we're just like, oh, let's just type on our computer. Yeah, and then even before, like COVID, like when I would go into the hospital just for like some meetings or like to troubleshoot something with one of the nurses, they were like, oh, where's your office? I'm like, I work from home. They're like, oh, that must be nice. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, it is, but there's pros and cons to that too, so. The animosity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so what would you say motivates you? Because exactly. Like I just had a crazy week, so much testing and it's not, it's like gratifying to get through it and be like, wow, okay. Yeah. We have some things to iron out before we go live, but what makes you wake up? Like some days you're so exhausted because you couldn't come yeah. to an answer or a decision with the six different places. How do you get motivated, wake up, work from home every day? Yeah. So I guess knowing that I am helping people is one, but I think seeing where the future lies in technology and healthcare is what drives me because I think we're in some sort of like stalemate with healthcare and technology and we're slowly getting past that because a lot of like hospitals and healthcare systems are dominated by an older generation. Mm -hmm. You have CIOs, CEOs that weren't born with technology. It wasn't everything for them, but they're noticing how important it is. Yes. Now you have a lot of these younger uh, physicians and leadership that were grown into it. So now you're starting to see a phase of technology and healthcare that's going to be faster than we ever think. Yeah. And I think being part of that, like even just for myself, just absorbing knowledge that I can in every which way I can, is just going to help me in the long run. Right. I guess you could say selfishly because knowing, it, I feel like knowledge is everything in our field. Oh yeah. So I think just having that, like you're just going to be a better person for yourself. You're going to be better for patients. Yeah. Patients are going to get um, better treatment because of it. Um, they're going to get that diagnosis that they maybe not have gotten or expected to get, but they're going to get it a lot faster. Yeah. And that might save a life. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, technology is amazing. It will be so, it might be bizarre, it might be creepy. I don't know what the right word will be, but looking back, like we have so much technology now, but think about yeah. even just in five to 10 years, what it's going to look like. It's going to be yeah. incredible. Exactly. And the thing that a lot of people don't notice yet is the data we're starting to consume based on like patient data it's not like we're taking our data and we're like keeping it for our own safe being right so like when we create certain things in epic every button you click has some sort of data element behind it and there's a reason for that mm -hmm. is because we can take that data that you just punched i guess you can say and we can look at it long not for like epic perspective but the healthcare department or institution can look at that and sort of do an amazing amount of like research on it 
Yeah. And that's that's the thing that people don't realize that is the best part about being on technology. Yeah. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head with COVID really made people realize like holy cow we need this and we need this now and just like you said maybe it's not quite up to par like we maybe would want to give a product to a customer but it's better than probably what they had previously and yeah so and always evolving I feel like everything can always improve before you ever go live but you can't just be like oh let's just wait we just want to get this one thing before we know you just sometimes have to put it out there and then you fix it exactly as as you progress Okay, so where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? That's a really good question. Um, a lot of folks ask me if I'm interested in managing. Yeah. Not. Okay. I don't know if I'm like supposed to be just because like I work as like a, I work as like a team lead on like the cardiology team. So I'm uh-huh. a quasi manager, I guess you can call <laughs> it, but I don't have that like, I don't have the like managerial, I guess, power for certain things which mm-hmm. i don't really want honestly yeah uh, there's a lot of headaches that come with it but to get to where i want to get to in life i think eventually i'll have to take that step um whether it's me working with like a hospital in epic or potentially venturing out into a, maybe like a creating like a startup company um that looks more towards not just like emr stuff but right putting together a public health sort of Mm. view from an EMR perspective, I think would be something I would be very interested in doing in the future, especially now with living in a pandemic and the long-term effects of it. There's gonna be some startup companies that sort of, I think, come to fruition. 100%. But I think I would like to maybe do something like that. And with the public health background, butter. I mean, I think that would really come into play with something like that. Yeah, I think so. I can't say that when I was in school five years ago, I thought that this would happen. <laughs> <Sure>. but I'm <laughs> like, all right, well, I guess it can't hurt. Yeah, no, that is interesting. And I got to be honest. So my, um, so she would have been my clinical coordinator when I was in radiation therapy school. She was getting her master's in public health. I always thought I wanted to get my master's. I I'm not going to say I still won't, but I was like, why public health? Like that sounds so boring, but now like literally look at where we are. I can't imagine a better degree to have. And like, just to truly understand way more than what I would understand right now with everything that's going on. So I guess I shouldn't dog on people's degrees and judge. It just sounds really boring. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's just a piece of paper. So like (laughs) there's days where I was like, you know, I really regret going to grad school because you're just paying out of, you know, pocket for any, just like, this is, what is this really going to get me? Right. I think it's just more of like a personal thing with them more than anything. At the end of the day, like, a degree shouldn't get you a job. I think you should, you're hiring people. You're not hiring pieces of paper, you know, yeah, so. I couldn't agree more, but I do think that, it, like, I'm such a believer in education, so I don't think you yeah. should wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I always, I'm always an advocate for advancing yourself. So. Oh my gosh. I think yeah. you should do it. And just like you said, Neil and I actually touched on this when we chatted too, just how opportunities can come at times when you're not ready, you're comfortable in a job. And it sounds like even for you, you're like, 
I mean, I was okay, but I didn't, like you said, your career path was kind of weird. Well, it's because you took opportunities when they presented themselves instead of like just one, like, okay, here I am. I'm content. I'm going to just stay in this straight line. So I personally think that's the way to go. I mean, yeah. always be open to opportunities. And then you might have a cool career story, just like yourself. Like I never thought I would be here, but here I am. Yeah. I think there's one thing that a lot of people don't realize is taking advantage of the, one, the opportunity, but if you're working in a hospital that is affiliated with like a medical college or something like that, like they hook up their employees like to get educated. Yeah. And if you have that opportunity, like take like yeah. if they're gonna offer to pay half of your education to get a master's degree or a PhD or something like that, like do why it. not? Yeah. Yeah, just do it. Like you're already working there, you're already doing the work for them. Like do it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Okay, <clears throat> so that was like very basic questions, obviously, that I had for you. So I am curious, is there anything else that you think technologists, because maybe they are interested in the IT space, maybe they don't know, just like you said, you don't really get into it. Like literally the opportunity for me, like fell in my lap. I had zero desire to get into this truthfully. I thought I would end up more on like a device, like for farm sales or something along those lines. So again, it's just interesting how it comes, but if you have anything else that you think technologists or really anyone in the healthcare field um, should know about the space that we work in or that you wanna share with them, you can. I would, I would say that like even just doing like uh, a certification with Pulse is beneficial for not even just to do like CT and MRI, but as a knowledge base in itself, it's going to advance you in other fields that you want to get into. Like you're going to have more opportunities than the average bear would. So let's just say you have employee A who has never worked in um, healthcare at all or had any sort of clinical experience. And then you have employee B who has only done IT, right? Mm. They're probably going to want to go with somebody who has a clinical background because they can teach somebody IT. Yes. You can't teach clinical to somebody. It's only absorbed and learned by doing it. So I feel like you have an, the upper hand from a, in a, a job search, I guess you can say, in other fields that you would potentially try and get into. Right. Um, so you have kind of like the, the world that you feed. You can get into whatever you want. You know? Yeah, I think that's such good advice. And if you're not happy and you're currently, just like you said, in the healthcare field, then exactly it is a little more of an upper hand if you want to switch and go a different route with your career. Yeah, I right. agree with that more. I really do right. think people get into medicine in general, like healthcare for ultimately probably helping people or that they love science or their specific specialty, like they just are really interested in that field, but there's so many different directions that you can take it. And you are a perfect example to, to present that in going towards the IT. IT yeah, I mean, you might fall in love with it more than what you're actually doing, you know, um, kind of just giving yourself more broad perspective and things you can do as yeah. opposed to just healthcare or something like that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, I just have one last question, but before that, I do just want to thank you for your time. I know it's the yeah. weekend, so that's precious time, especially when you have a little family. Um, so one, thank you. And of course, anytime. I'm be in the Cerner world, but maybe one day I'll try to sneak over to the, the epic side, so I might have to pick your brain. 
I guess be working remote is an opportunity that I can be grateful because having a family and having a child helps me mm-hmm. in that in this sort of I guess world that we live in because one I save money on child care. Yeah. Two, I get to spend more time with my wife and my child so I can be a better father. Yeah. If I was commuting back and forth to and from an office every day, if I was getting on a plane, leaving on Sundays and coming back on Thursdays, like you can't buy time. No. So having more time is something I'm grateful for um, to spend with my family. And that's something that you can't pay any amount of money to have. Yeah. So um, I love that. Ugh. I couldn't agree more, by the way. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't think I didn't think I'd ever like, you know, say that. But yeah, um, when you're in a different situation and you there's more to life than yourself sometimes. So 100 yeah. percent. Awesome. OK, well, folks, that's a wrap.